Good evening. Episode 13 of Occam's Razor coming to you live from the Howick studio of East FM, 88.1, 107.1. I'm your host, Jim Birchall. Uh, once again, special guest, Mark Capel, paranormal investigator. How are you this evening, Mark? Doing fantastic. Thanks, Jim. Excellent. It's what we like to hear on a Monday. I've had a bit of a shocker of a day, to be honest, but uh, I'll get over that now and uh, we'll do something entertaining. Eh? How does that sound? Speaking of entertaining, uh, do you want to introduce our new guest, uh, our latest guest, Darren? You there, Darren? Yes, I am, Jim. No worries. Um, da- sorry, go ahead, Mark. You, you, I've cut in on you, haven't I? Oh, yeah, no worries. Uh, yes, Darren Wedlock, um, he's a researcher um, into the paranormal, he's a paranormal investigator, and he's uh, been doing um, what's called ITC research or instrumental transcommunication. Uh, this is a, a term coined by Ernest Sankowski in the 1970s and generally refers to some sort of um, electronic communication with um, beings from another realm and using things like tape recorders, fax machines, uh, television sets, um, all different kinds of devices. Now, um, Darren, uh, you've been doing this for a little while, I understand, is that correct? Yes, well, I initially started doing it in the early 1980s, um, just as a young guy. Um, I'm fortunate enough to grow up in a house that was pretty haunted. Where, where um, was that, Darren? Was that, uh, I know you're from down south, aren't you, Dunedin, but did you grow up down there as well? Yes, yes, in Dunedin, um, on a wee, uh, hill called Saddle Hill, and we lived in a wee colonial cottage. It was probably built around 1895 or something like that. Okay, so it was sort of a bit of spook central that got you involved, sort of li- li- <laughs> yeah, living with the environment, yeah. Oh, amazing. Yeah, amazing sure. um, phenomena that happened there. Absolutely. Now, and, and I also understand you had quite a religious upbringing as well, um, which, you know, maybe uh, conflicted or opened your eyes sort of um, when you started experiencing um, things that could probably be termed paranormal. How did, how did that, um, did conflict arise from that or is it just something you learned to live with or? Oh, absolutely. A lot of conflict. Um, initially, as a young man, I was um, growing up in a haunted house. I was just accepting of it as being just something you put up with, just something natural. Sure. Um, um, you know, you'd hear people running up and down the hallway. You would hear voices at night time. Um, you would hear things moving around. Uh, and I started, got to the point where I'd start um, taping them. But back then, it was like tape to tape on the old magnetic tapes, you know. <laughs> sure, sure. Real, real <laughs> yeah, which sort actually of stuff. work really well. I don't know why, but they do. Is that right? Um, yeah, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, um, just one example is um, uh, we would ha- hear a lot of banging around in the kitchen, like on the kitchen table, and glasses clinking, and you would swear there was somebody in the kitchen. So Really? Yep. Took the tape recorder in, um, asked if anybody was there, recorded. Um, caught a woman's voice saying, I'm cleaning the fish, which is a pretty <laughs> strange thing to say. Was she gutting but, the fish or was she cleaning <laughs> yeah, the, the fish tank bowl? Well, well later on, smell, a couple right? of years later, I did right. research on the house and it turned out a fishmonger used to live there. Oh, really? So, mm. so this was like, do um, you think maybe, Darren, this maybe was some sort of residual? Yes, but obviously, you know, it's it, even though it's residual, she was carrying on with her daily life. Um, you know, she could be communicated with in real time. Uh, oh, she so she actually responded. Yes, yeah, she says, "I'm cleaning the fish." When I asked her, you know, who's there or what are you doing? So, it, it, was that the point you started questioning existence, so to speak, or your existence? And and um, I don't know. I had um, similar re- revelation when I was younger. You know, sort of, there, there's got to be something else out there, and sort of, I suppose that's what set me upon the journey to to do a show like this. You know, um, obviously, looking for more evidence based solutions to paranormal beliefs and so forth. But that that got you excited enough that um, now you describe yourself as a transcommunication researcher. Is that correct? <laughs> Yes, yes. Well, I, like I said, I grew up with it and, um, you know, hearing these audible noises. Um, and then I became a Christian when I was 17. Yep. And um, quite a dramatic conversion. But then I went through church culture, Bible college, three years of Bible college. And all through that, you pick up the culture and obviously those things aren't too accepted in amongst the Christian church. You know, it's all labelled demonic. 
Sure. Did uh, you did you ever raise any of these? Um, you know, with a you know church minister or anything like that, or no? But you get pretty stock standard answers, and the stock standard answer is it's all demons. You know, Bigfoot are <laughs> demons, UFOs are demons, ghosts are demons. It's basically yeah. Why, uh, why know, do you think they're so um, closed minded about it? Yeah, very much so. Um, and then, and so for years and years, decades, in fact, I just put it aside. Um, and then in 2014, my mother passed away. Um, and I was so broken uh, about that relationship being ended. Um, I started looking into it online again and I discovered, hello, they've got apps now and they've got uh, devices called spirit boxes and sure. things. I was, I'm like the Rip Van Winkle of the paranormal <laughs> field. <laughs> yeah, we, we touched on those last week uh, when we had Barbara uh, Kaisley in from Haunted, ha- Haunted Auckland, they're called, so I thought I get that right, um, about the EVP and, and spirit box phenomenon. So that's that's the main tool on your belt in, in the uh, sort of ghost hunting world is it yeah ghost box um uh, you know just a digital recorder i would dearly love to find an old tape recorder but they're like hen's teeth now yeah for um, sure. and you were saying you, you think the older equipment picks up the uh, evps and so forth or you know interdimensional voices for lack of a better term better than the modern equipment does yeah, I really do. I think it's something to do with uh, the magnetic um, capabilities of them or the process of them. For some reason, they just tend to take them up clearer. I suppose yeah. that, that draws parallels with, um, you know, when people are, uh, you know, doing their investigations with the, um, you know, tape recorders. You know, we're talking, talking stone tape theory and replays of the mm-hmm. past and vibrations and, and, and ley lines and things like that where there's magnetism involved, there seems to be a, an occurrence of, you know, spectres and things like that, or, or at least reports of that. So there might be something to that. I know. Oh, what, do you, absolutely. what do you think about I mean, it? You'll notice that there's a lot of, there's an increase in uh, sightings um, when there's uh, solar flares happen. So Is that right? Oh, yeah, and even the, so the magnetosphere of the Earth itself um, actually brings it, changes it as well. Um you know, I remember, you know, up until a certain age, I, I moved out of the house, of course, at home. But I remember one night um, I was in my room, my mother was in her room, and it was about 10 o'clock at night, and we heard this woman's, Irish woman's voice going down the hallway, mm-hmm. loud as can be. Um, she wasn't talking to us, but she was talking to somebody, and she sounded happy as. Yep. Um, yeah, it was almost like a, a stepping back in time, like she was in her own time, you know? Yeah. Obviously enjoying the crack at the time. <laughs> yeah, well, she had a southern... My mother was from Northern Ireland, so oh, okay. I know the difference pretty well between yeah, the Southern Irish accent and she was... Just That's... funny, though, the voice was just out of sync, even though it was loud. Yep. You couldn't exactly hear what the words were, but... Do you think you had, um, you know, the same spirits uh, recurrent, or do you think the, the property was some sort of portal to the paranormal or to the afterlife, and they, they were using it as, um, you know, a place to show themselves? I definitely think there was some residual, uh, residential spirits here that, you know, considered that their home. Um, yep. Residual, uh, what is it? Residual residential. Or, I like or residential, that. rather, you know. Um, <laughs> a couple of years ago, um, when I started doing research again, I went back to the old homestead. Nobody lives there anymore. And I was just walking up with my iPhone filming, and later on I could hear these voices over it saying, go away, Mr. Christian, we don't want to be saved. Really? And then an Irish lady's voice saying, you'd be nice to Mr. Christian. <laughs> <laughs> so it could have been Molly Malone from the other house. That, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it Sticking turns out there was you. an Irish family that lived there too back in the 1930s. So. Was that right? Yeah. Very interesting. Um, and you're, you're, as we're talking about the tools of the trade and so forth, um, you concentrate your investigative energies um, just through the, the ghost box, or do you use other techniques, or what, what's your uh, mo? Uh, pretty much, I, I've, I've pretty much stopped um, investigating now uh, because I, I did my research, and um, I use the ghost box mainly. Uh, and a lot of people poo-hoo that. Yep. Um, some people will try it; they don't get any evidence, so they'll say, "Well, you know, it's not for me." But and this is basically why I wrote the book I wrote. Um, 
uh, is basically like you can go to an investigation and you can ask a spirit, how many fingers am I holding up? What's your name? What's my name? And you can only do that so many times. And nobody seems to really learn anything unless you stand back and look at the big picture and look at all the evidence that people are, people are getting. Um, Absolutely. So you, you take a holistic view towards investigating the paranormal. You know, I think it's important to, when we spoke with um, Barbara last week, they, they set up a whole sort of, um, you know, big... They set the whole thing up when they undertake a ghost investigation, sort of with a digital. What's the word I'm looking for? A digital um, net, EMF. a net sort yeah. of thing, you know. And oh, they're looking for EMF, high EMF. Sure, yeah, and they encompass. Duck obviously, you take yeah. your base readings, and then yes. you encompass all the different elements into one investigation, and, and try and come up with some sort of evidence from that. Um, Mark, how do you approach a ghost investigation? Uh, what I like to do is I actually like to see what I can record there. Uh, yes, obviously look for things that you know might you know be false positives. Like for example, I was at a, a graveyard o- over in Tonopah, Nevada, with another team. Now these girls screamed out because they they said all something threw a rock at them, and it, and it kept happening. So I said, okay, it was at night time. I'll go and have a look. And I heard, and I went around. And I heard this this thud, and it sounded like a rock hitting ground. But after a while, as I kind of waited for it to occur again, I noticed it was just a piece of styrofoam that, <laughs> that, that was flapping, but hit the fence, yeah. and it sounded just like a rock landing on the ground. So sometimes you've got to be able to deduct things like that yeah. that, that aren't paranormal. It would be great to say if everything was paranormal, but, but it isn't. But. Yeah, sure. Do you, um, sorry, Darren, are you the kind of person that hears a bump in the night after all you've been through in the past? and all you've looked into and investigated and so forth, and, and do you just write it off as, you know, that's the wind, that's, you know, the cat, that's a possum on the roof, or do you, do you sort of give everything a second thought? Um, I try and debunk things if I can. I mean, yeah. I listened to your last show, and she was very good. Um, yeah. and Very measured um, response, wasn't it, which you don't, oh, always, yeah. you don't always seem to get in this industry, I've, I've found. Oh, exactly. Yeah. But I'm also very open to... Um, well, that could have been, you know, when you get to the point where they're speaking out of thin air to you in a cafe or speaking over your car radio, yep. then you've got, <laughs> then you've got to, <laughs> you've got to start going, is it me or, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's right. Because Mark, Mark, you've had experiences with that, with, um, with entities sort of speaking directly to you, haven't it? And often in places completely unrelated to the area you're, you're investigating. Uh, sometimes you can hear them live. Um, yep. It's really cool. You can hear EBPs live and actually record them at the same time, so then you can go because so sometimes you and then you know you're not crazy because you hear it back on the yeah. tape. Yeah, well, that, that's sure. why I record when I go out. You know, sure. I wear a point of view camera. Uh, you know, I hate it when people say, "Did you see that?" and they miss it. They turn the camera around and they miss it. Mm. But what I would like to ask Darren is, what um, is there anything that you notice that that, are, that is different about the voices that come through? like EVPs or like through the spirit box, is there anything that you would say if you compared to, say, a normal person speaking, is there anything that's kind of different about them, those voices? Um, well, it depends on who comes through them. Um, you'll find that, you know, if they're more high vibration or more, from a Christian point of view, more angelic or a higher kind of being, um, they tend to come across, what I've noticed so far, they tend to come across as a melodical, almost musical um, sentences that they'll come out with. Oh, I've had that too, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and, you do know, mean, I, do I you, think Sorry, Darren, do you mean as a turn of phrase or... Oh, sorry. sorry, do you mean as a turn of phrase or they're kind of singing the words to you or... What yeah, you yeah, actually singing. It's almost really? like a singing, like a very melodical way of speaking. Like in those... Uh, like in a horror film, we hear that creepy children singing before... An evil, <laughs> an evil doll cuts off your bits and pieces, for instance. No, more no. like out of the mire and into the choir kind of thing. More like choir singing. <laughs> oh, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I've um, I received, actually, this involves Steve Huff, who's quite a prominent um, pers- um, YouTube personality in America who does research. Yep. Um, and I received an hour-long communication of people, basically people banging for his blood. They, they, a lot of them don't like him. And at the end of it, um, it was almost like crowd control. You hear these beautiful <laughs> melodic voices come in. 
really? and starts singing that they're angels of Jesus Christ. And it's like, I don't think there's any radio stations playing that kind of stuff. No. <laughs> Not yet, anyway. Because that's what your sceptics sometimes say, that you know what people are getting is just stray CB signals or some kind of uh, signal electronic that has a natural explanation. But a lot of times stuff that comes through that you, there's no way you put on the air, like, for example, swearing or... Yeah. I've had other things I've had to block out on some of my videos. And Mark, Mark was just telling us off air, Darren, about one of his investigations. Um, he'll he'll have to uh, embellish things a little bit for us here. Um, that the uh, you know he's he's been in an area where he can eliminate CB radio chatter and so forth, and the the entities speaking to him are specific to the location and know things about him personally. Mm-hmm. And commenting on you know things about him personally that no one else would know. You know, a guy driving along in his taxi is not going to going to talk about your kids or anything, is he? Oh, oh yeah, I mean like the first and last name. I mean that's a really good example. I believe, Darren, you've had that. You've had them saying your first and last name. Yeah, absolutely. Um, they they've referenced it. You know, I've heard one of them said, "Where's he from?" And the other one said, "New Zealand." Um, <laughs> you know, they'll they'll say your full name. Um, uh, yeah, it's amazing stuff. There's no, no doubt in my mind that nobody understands the full process of it, but there's no doubt in my mind that we are communicating with interdimensional beings. It's interesting you say interdimensional, Darren. That, that's your take on it? Because I know Mark's um, pretty hot on that being the explanation as well. Um, as I said, I've, I'm leaning more towards the sort of residual um, stone tape imprint on the environment sort of, uh, mm-hmm. thing when it comes to ghosts but obviously to someone a bit more enlightened like you in terms of the spiritual realm that's the way you see it you think they're coming through to to give us messages from another dimension or what's the purpose of it all absolutely uh, it is truly i mean like the, the like the term refers to it is really interdimensional yep. um when you like i say when you step back and look at the bulk of the evidence you see, like, uh, I understand Mark's been um, getting uh, uh, Bigfoot or Sasquatch voices. You get, I, I was associated with a team in America, Supernatural Media, that was a very good team. Yep. You know, they would get um, spirit voices, but they would also get voices saying we're the star people. And this thing, this device, even though we don't know how it works, it seems to pick up everything. So they're they're operating on a different frequency, obviously, to to this realm. Well, I, yeah, so, I, I mean I that's actually, the way I would look at. It. I would think it'd be a you know interdimensional frequency. There, that's the medium that's being supplied for us to communicate with them. Much much like drawing a slightly long bow, but talking when people talk about being abducted by aliens and being spoken to via ESP, etc. I think that could be, you know, the the vehicle for the for the spirits are using a frequency that something that we can understand as well. Well, we, we can tap into that. We sure. can tap into what they're saying. Um, I've sort of used. How it. do you tap into it? Well, I I did a lot of meditation and metaphysical classes when I was back in the United States, so I had stuff, a lot of experiences. I think when you get exposed to a lot of the energy and they interact with you, it it's like giving permission for yourself to open up to other realms. And uh, sometimes I'll, I'll get a like um, clear con- cognizance, you know, a feeling. It's called a feeling of something's going on. There's some sort of message coming through. Like over at the Washer Club in Virginia City, Nevada, I had this feeling that this particular room we were not welcome. And then right after that, we get the words "leave," and it got repeated. And then we got attacked. <laughs> so you can actually tap in. It's kind of nice when you can actually record and document uh, what happens. Just as interesting you say that, Mark, the record and document. Um, throughout your uh, travels and your investigations, Darren, did you come up with anything that would be deemed relatively conclusive in terms of audio and or video? Uh, well, yes, I think I've got a YouTube channel which I put up quite a few clips. And, um, sure, give, give it a plug while you're there. Go on. <laughs> Well, it's called uh, Voices from the... Un- uh, actually, it's called The Unseen World. The Unseen um, World. Yep. And um, just to going back to what Mark said there, I absolutely agree with Mark saying, um, yeah, I think it's people tuning in. It's not so much getting a device that can tune in. And good evidence for that is that 
from a lot of ghost box or spirit box users, you'll find that if they do it a lot, some people actually start hearing voices without the device, and a lot of them go crazy. Yeah. Um, I've known a guy in England that did exactly that. He started hearing voices all over the place. And that's why I personally got out of it, because I got to the point where I was hearing them talking to me in a cafe or over a car radio. So it's not the device that's tuning in. You're tuning in, and the device is just picking it up. Is that something you kept quiet or you let other people know, you know, and would because, I mean, if, if someone, if I was sitting in a cafe and I said, you know, geez, these people are talking to me in my head, uh, you know, I'd get a few furrowed brows and so forth. Did you get that or did you sort of keep it to yourself? Well, yeah, I, you know, at the time you think, do I answer back? If I answer back, I'm a fruitcake or I could be a fruitcake, you know, yeah. <laughs> because maybe it's all in my head, but, um, you know, who knows how they communicate with you, you it, it could have been audible that other people could have heard it. One little old lady over the other side of the cafe actually looked at me very strangely as if to say, what was that? <laughs> <coughs> because this, you know, clear, bold voice says, hello, Darren, right behind me. I'd have turned around to say hi to whoever it was, and there was nobody there. Sure. Um, that same week, I heard was, there was a song on the radio, and the instrumental part that I'm quite familiar with, I can't remember what song it was, but I know that there was no voices in that part, and... It wasn't an uh, example of backward masking, was it? No. No. No, it was, it was per, you know, I won't say what it said, but it was quite personal at the time. Mm -hmm. And it, you hear this and you think, oh my gosh, I'm going nuts. Well, you're not going nuts. It's just that you're tuning in. You've been doing it so much and you're opening yourself so much and you've started to tune in to be able to hear them without the device. As, as a litmus test, did you ever re-listen to the song and concentrate on that particular part and see if anything happened again? I don't think I had to. I remember I, it's quite a popular. It was um, I can't even remember what song it was now, but I know there was an instrumental break in the middle where there's no voices, mm. and certainly what they said out of the radio was like, "Oh my gosh!" It was directly to me. It was like, and then the same week having a voice speak to you in the cafe, you know, what do you do? Well, I stopped doing uh, communication work with them because it was just. You know, I've known people that have gone crazy with it. Mm. Yeah. Mark has had an experience um, where entities spoken to him in a building on Queen Street, haven't you, from, from memory, and sort of drew drew you into a particular... Which building was it? Was the, the, it was the Garden... Guardian, Guardian building, building, that's right. Yes. It's an old building on Queen so Street. We stayed there for a couple of months at the time, but uh, I, this was recorded live, so I record my sessions... And I didn't know, a lot of times I don't understand what they're saying at the time, so I actually go back through with headphones and re-listen, and that's when you'll, you'll catch stuff that you miss, and miss quite easily. Um, a very strange message, except the Bigfoot people, big people, in a very strange voice, and it got repeated. I was using Friday material to, to block out radio signals as well. I also had a female saying some kind of rude things to me that got repeated before. Oh, what sort of rude things? Well, you can guess. We can't guess. That's why I'm asking, Mark. I, let's just say I had to do some edits for the radio. <laughs> <laughs> okay, excellent. Um, so what's next on the agenda for you, Darren? You, I, now, I see you're a published author. You understand you wrote a book about your late mother and her experiences when um, when she was younger than you. And yes, Northern I Ireland. did. Yeah. Um, um, and, yeah, sorry, and you sent me a link to your latest book. Actually, it's a couple of years old, isn't it? Um, mm -hmm. The Sorry, I'm just looking for the name of it. You, you can fill me in if you like. Yeah, it was Voices from the Unseen World. Voices yeah. from the Unseen World. And it's got some good reviews on Amazon. I saw that. Um, Thank you, yeah. And, um, you know, it seems like quite an interesting book. Are you, any more books sort of planned? No, not really, and that's going back to, you know, I, I feel that I've, you know, you can only ask spirits how many fingers you're holding up so many times. Sure. But once you take a step back and look at the whole bulk of the evidence that everybody's got, um, you start to see the bigger picture, and that's what I focused on and my conclusions on it, um, which having done all the Bible study and the theological study, I recognized very quickly that, most of what you get over, not all, but most of what you get over the spirit boxes is very biblical in nature. And I mean biblical references, 
Um, so you kind of see it as a you see it as a conduit to to the theology and so forth. Well, no, I see it as a, a confirmation of what the Bible speaks about. Um, yeah, the Bible speaks about the afterlife, and it just so happens that what we're picking up over the spirit box fits the b- biblical narrative. Can I throw a spanner in the works? Sure thing. The ghosts that you are speaking with uh, through the spirit box mm-hmm. are obviously making religious references. Um, mm-hmm. Could that, the possibility of that, let, let's just assume that's exactly what's going on. I'm thinking that they're making uh, religious references because in in their life they were, you know, people that followed religious doctrine and they're, they're trying to pass that on to you. Well, they don't, you know, I mean, it was religion, personal religion was a lot more prevalent sort of 100, 150 years ago than it is today, isn't it? Do you think that could be just the personality of the of the deceased coming through and trying to influence you in some way or just making themselves known because that's, that's part of their daily sort of lexicon? Uh, not really, because, I mean, the evidence that most people tend to get fits, when I say it fits the biblical narrative, I, I don't mean just what they're saying to you, sure. I mean, uh, or references that they're making, and referring to the Bible, I, mean, I don't mean quoting scripture, yep. although they do quote scripture sometimes, but most people um, will know that they, that do this research, will know that you frequently get voices calling out for help. So there's quite some miserable souls over there. Um, you get references to demons. You get references to angels. You get references to Jesus, God, Satan, um, Sheol, what the, you know, the Bible calls the afterlife Sheol or Hades, we translate that as. Yep. Uh, it, it's just nonstop. It's just so much of it. And is, is it your contention that these spirits are people that are trapped between dimensions or worlds or, you know, the, the heaven and earth, or what's the situation there? Well, I think, well, certainly the Bible says that um, there's a place that we go to after we die, um, that your consciousness doesn't stop, that we go there and it's called Sheol, or, you know, modern translation is Hades. Uh, we would call it the afterlife. Um, And it's very similar, actually, to what most non-Christians believe in the afterlife. There there is a dimension immediately beyond this place, but there's also a higher dimension uh, that people can move on to. And certainly that's what the Bible portrays as well. So we're sort of talking about purgatory and things like that. Well, yeah, not so much. Well, yeah, not in the classic. We're we're in the waiting room, aren't they? Yeah, it's basically a waiting room, yeah. Okay, um, Mark. Mark your experiences. Well, I've I've gotten uh, yes, I have gotten some quite religious, like some say pray and faith. I got demon. I've gotten that. I've got the call for help. That's something I think that most researchers get is, mm. is one of the things is you know calls for help. It's quite alarming actually, and um, you know I you kind of wonder you know are they stuck in some sort of in between void. I feel like they're, they're like they haven't crossed over properly, and sometimes psychics talk about um, them crossing into the light. So, didn't they cross into light, kind of thing? You know, I mean, why are they calling for help? Putting on your clergy hat, or both of you actually, what do you think is causing these people not to cross over? I would, myself, I would say, like most paranormal people that um, heard my message about this or heard my beliefs about this, they would, it's denial. denial. I've had spirits arguing with me over the ghost box that they don't want to believe in Jesus, they don't believe in him. I've had, I've spoken at the spiritualist church down here in Dunedin and I've had one lady from the audience say the exact same thing. Oh, really? She said, if, when I crossed over, I'll be one of those people arguing that Jesus isn't real. Very interesting. Yeah. What will you be arguing, Mark? Well, I'll be wanting to get to the chief, the chief, <laughs> the chief at the very, very top. Yeah. The almighty Kerbus, you know, from that movie. I assume you have to make an appointment to see the chief. I'm not sure. I'm sure it's or a very you, long line. Is it an open-door policy? I'm not sure. <laughs> as long as I don't go to the basement, I guess it's the main <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Hades. Hey, when we talk Hades... It, I'm not sure what that was. It was a car. It sounds like a car game. Was it? Maybe it was down Dunedin Way, was it? I think it was Dunedin Way. Yeah, it was. Okay. 
<laughs> some boy races or something. Um, when we're talking Hades, are we talking with the River Styx and, and the like? Um, the what the Greeks, you know, you called Hades, or is something different in that translation? No, well, it's both. I mean, if you yeah. look at what the biblical text says um, in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus tells a story about the rich man and Lazarus, and the rich man who was very selfish, very unkind, he goes, dies and goes to a place where he's tormented. Mm-hmm. Uh, the poor man, um, it doesn't say much about the poor man, actually, just that he was poor. Um, he goes over to a place called Paradise, uh, but... In that place, they can talk to each other from, you know, one can talk to each other from paradise to the not-so-nice part of it. Mm. Um, So, and that does tend to come through. You get some spirits over the ghost box that are very happy. Thank you very much. And they, yeah, they're just happy to hang out and do whatever. And then there's others, a lot of them, calling out for help. They seem to be in torment. I would... I'd like to know whether um, you know time is insignificant to a spiritual or a, a spirit. Is time because what I mean is you could drum up the spirits of someone who's been there, you know, dead three, four, five hundred years. Um, <laughs> that's a long time to be sitting in this uh, waiting room, isn't it? Some of them are happy to do so. I mean, again, what the Bible says is that you know the dead. Um, there is a part in the Old Testament where it says the dead know nothing now. That's often quoted as if to say they're asleep. But basically, if you read that passage in context, it's basically saying that they don't share in the things that we have. You know, we they would dearly love to get out of bed and put their feet on the ground, even just that, or feel the sun on their face. And you know, it really helps us discover that you know we can take life for granted because they earnestly and eagerly would desire to do the most basic things that we take for granted every day. Absolutely. Mm. Um, but is that an opinion you've formed, or have they told you that? Or Oh, no, well, you see a lot of references to, you know, help me, and, you know, I'd love a cigarette, or I'd love a... <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> Sometimes they'll tell you a little bit about the afterlife, like I had one spirit that said, um, birth, death, spirit, and basically trying to tell me how it actually goes. Um, and also, I, I ask them, well, how are you in the afterlife? And some say perfect. Well, obviously, if you leave you know, behind a diseased body and you know, if you die when you're old, then you know, having an old body, diseased body, wouldn't be very fun. So when they're in that realm, they're elevated from all that. And you know, do they have to work? Mm, that's an interesting point. And as a trade-off for being dead, I reckon you shouldn't have to exercise to have a perfect body. What do you think of that idea? Well, I wonder if gym, I mean, heaven might have a gym, though. Or where <laughs> but, but, I mean, if you're well, stuck in this in-between place. That's when they get exorcised. Right? Oh, very nice. <laughs> yeah, you were waiting for that one. <laughs> exorcised, I was. Actually, have you ever met an exorcist, either of you two? Um, I go. No, I've no? had demonic encounters, but... Um, not oh, yeah. having to cast demons out of people. But. Tell us about your de- demonic uh, encounters, Darren. Oh, well, that was up in uh, Saddle Hill when I was a young person. Uh, it's probably about 20, 19, 20, something like that. I'd just started Bible college. Yep. And uh, I had a um, s- sleep paralysis event. Yep. Um, no, I, I was terrified. Uh, and at one point, I had. I don't know, just an injection of faith or something, but I just quoted that scripture and said inside my heart, you know, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Mm-hmm. And this evil presence just left. Um, now, the next day I go downtown and um, come back up, and my mother, who, you know, was living, you know, sleeping in the next room, she says, what on earth were you doing in your room last night? I said, what do you mean? And she says, I could hear this deep, deep growling noise like somebody was dragging furniture over a wooden floor. Uh, <laughs> okay. I just uh, yeah. got goosebumps. Sorry? I just got goosebumps. Saying. Yeah, yeah, so did I, I tell you what. But she also went on to say then um, she said there was a loud humming and then all this light came in through her windows and we were up in the country. Mm. And she had windows on each, you know, three sides of the, of the room. So... 
so, you know, you could look at that, take the spiritual element out of it, and you would swear that it was a UFO experience. Um, the <laughs> second one that happened was a, also uh, a, um, a sleep paralysis thing, and at the point that I got up and I said, no, I command you to leave in the name of Jesus, this thing kicked up such a ruckus, it, it was beating on the... Um, you know, it was a black room, but this thing was beating on my bookcase. Like It sounded like it was getting dealt to, you know. Mm-hmm. It was amazing. And how old were you at the time? Oh, I was about 19, 20. Okay. Yeah. Because you quite often hear um, about demonic, not so much pos- possession, but, you know, demonic instances of demonic activity uh, around children. It seems to be quite popular with, with um, you know, if they haven't reached, you know, uh, teenage years and things like that, where it seems to die away. Obviously, children have a pretty vivid imagination, but I've heard pretty you know, conclusive evidence from, or compelling evidence at least, from uh, a number of people who had that sort of experience with, with lack of a better term, demons when they were children, but it seemed to leave them as they, they got older. Whether that's a brain development thing, you know, the sceptic in me probably says that, um, and obviously your imagination tails off a little bit when you're, when you mature and realise the, the world isn't all, you know, unicorns. Um, but it's it's interesting, you know, it's interesting. Um, demonic possession seems to affect disproportionately, from what I understand, just reading from Catholic Church sort of exorcism data, <laughs> I don't know if that's a thing. Um, a lot of young women, um, women sort of in their late teens, early 20s, appear to be affected as well. Um, yeah. So I don't know if it, again, I don't know. It's 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 all up in the air. But um, Mark, have you any experience with that particular? Uh, I know when you were a child, you had some pretty scary things happen to yes, you. Didn't I had you? Uh, dogs. Dogs react to one of those beings. Dogs when like I was hounds a, of hell, or um, no? I had two oh, dogs. your own dogs. Had, you mean? I had okay. two dogs that were growling, and I, you know, growling at at, at well at whatever it was at the top of the stairs. This thing that looked like. Uh, I was wearing a black hood. Was at the top of the stairs. Why are so many? Why are so many of these demons and ghosts wearing hoods? I'd like to know. He's probably just trying to disguise hoodies. But they don't want to be known. No. So what do you? I mean, what do you think, Darren? <laughs> I don't know. I wouldn't have a clue to be honest. <laughs> well, I think it's kind of cowardly of them. I mean, they have to wear a bloody cloak, you know. But it's not like they have to be any scarier, do they? You know what I mean? Right. It's not like, oh, also I'll be extra scary by wearing a cloak and you can't see my face. Do you know well, what I mean? I would like to know what's behind that cloak. Well, Absolutely. Why well, who's behind the cloak? Why does it hide? A lot of times demons don't want to give their names too. That's mm. one thing I've heard about possessions. They don't like to give their names to the exorcist. So we mm. might be able to get an exorcist uh, coming up too. Oh, that'd be good. Taking reference from the good book, Darren, um, mm. How does it portray um, demons? Um, what's their origin? They're, they're agents of the devil, are they, or how does it work? Well, yeah, I mean, fallen angels are one thing. Uh, yeah. Demons are another. Um, now, there's a theory that uh, I think it's Genesis chapter 6 where it records that the angels came down and interbred with women, uh, earthly women, okay. and that the children were called Nephilim. They were giants in the land. Sure. Um, and that's part of the reason why apparently God wiped out the earth in a flood. Now, I think a lot of Jewish um, thinking and Christian thinking is that they are these demons, are the spirits of these uh, half-angels, half-human um because there is a distinction between demons and fallen angels in the Bible. Mm. Mm. Um, so, I certainly, uh, um, Second Temple literature, like the Book of Enoch and things like that, would suggest that's that's what demons are. Um, it's the spirits of the Nephilim. That, and these Nephilim were pretty ugly people. They were into cannibalism. <laughs> they were into, um, they, you know, the Bible they, says they big, took wives. But, you know, the Book of Enoch says that they're basically raping women. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, they sound like sort of fairly nasty characters, don't they? Oh, yeah, so, yeah they are. And that's – and they're, they're kind of, you know, they're kind of stuck because they're half angels, half human. Um, so, yeah, they're really stuck, those guys. <laughs> Can I throw a spanner in the works? and? Sure. Let's go down the same road as ghosts and UFOs and Bigfoots. 
mm-hmm. or cryptids, all being interdimensional beings. And I'm going to throw demons into this this cocktail as well. This fruit salad. Mm-hmm. Um, any any credence to that? In your opinion, two demonic, two demons, or they're throwing demonic beings in with um, in with ghosts, UFOs, cryptids, that sort of thing. Oh yeah, there's a lot of um, you know. I believe there's a, over on that um, the spiritual plane that's directly above, and let's say directly above us as a point of reference that mm-hmm. gives us some understanding. Yeah, um, the place that. Now, you get heavenly from what the research I conducted and from what I can see from the bulk of the research that everybody does, you get visitations from higher beings that don't actually abide in that realm. They actually abide from a different, more heavenly kind of realm, and they'll make they'll make um, trips into this dimension where all these lost souls are, where these uh, demonic beings are. Um, you, it's, it's, it's a mixing pot, the next realm. Um, and then you've got heaven, and then you've got a lower state than, than the one people go directly into. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems to be very, uh, you know, in the Bible it talks about the abyss, um, you know, the... Um, falling the falling into the abyss, pit. sure. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I um, consider them astral beings. There's all kinds of astral beings. There's some that are, you know, highly evolved. And there's others that um, uh, are not very nice beings, and um, mm. they love. certain beings that love to feed off suffering, anger, fighting people, fighting, depression. They want they want people to commit suicide. They um, really really awful stuff. And uh, you know, is is it mental illness? You know, when people say having a, a a demonic experience, well, definitely they can affect your mental health. If you've got something in your home that's causing you trouble, might actually be attacking you in some way. So you're, you're thinking it's a knock-on effect, the mental illness um, not as the origin of the whole thing? Well, I think there's different different kinds. Yeah. It may not be from an entity, yeah. but de- entities can definitely affect your mental health. I mean, heck, if you're living in a horror story... Well, if someone's dragging you out of your bed by a foot with a, with a big furry claw you're going to be a little concerned don't you you'll be reaching for the prozac then wouldn't you well that actually might make it worse <laughs> oh really <laughs> but uh yeah i have dealt with some some nasty entities and, and some of them are, are very powerful mm. and um the beings out what that i deal with out in my research area are very powerful if they were if they were bad <laughs> they could have easily taken harm me it killed me quite easily and how do you get rid of them though well You've got to fight fire with fight fire with fire. Um, basically, demonics do not like love, the love vibration or the higher vibration of peace and love. It's I had trouble with these beings that they'd push their fingers through the bed and annoy me, mm-hmm. and I kept saying to them, "Look, stop it, leave me alone," and they would just keep. Doing it wasn't it. your little sister, was it? No, there was no one around. <laughs> okay. And um, and then when I when I actually sent instead of what I did is I sent this love energy to them, they stopped it. Immediately, it repelled them immediately. How do you send love energy? I don't know, just with your thoughts. Mm-hmm. Um, if you use anger, they seem to feed off anger. It's a bit like uh, Ghostbusters 2. Have you ever seen that? How about you, Darren? you seen Ghostbusters 2? I think I did. I enjoyed the first one, but not the second one. No, no, no one did. But they got the... Um, <laughs> there, was this, there was this sort of um, ooze that reacted to negative emotions, and it was causing all sorts of ghostly terrors around New York. Anyway, they basically got everyone in New York to to love each other and they played uplifting music. I think it was Jimmy Cliff's uh, Lifted or something like that. Um, and the Statue of Liberty was so inspired that it started walking around and it and it raised the spirits of the city and the um, evil ooze had no, no answer after that and sort of dissipated and all the ghosts took off and got their marching orders from New York. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, that's a comedic example, but that's kind of what I think in my mind when I when I think that you know that you're giving kind of a love mantra almost to these demons and, and expelling them from your environment by doing that. And, and Darren's talking about using scripture and so forth to you know confront them and say, well, "Get the hell out of here!" Well, basically, well, they don't like they don't like that kind of stuff because it's high 
vibrational spiritual stuff. They don't like that. Most Christian paranormal investigators of uh, their experiences is that demons are easy to handle because you handle them in the name of Jesus and bind them. Mm-hmm. But negative spirits of humans, that's a different matter because they've still got free will. <laughs> you know, they can say, oh, stuff you. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> Not going to mind their P's and Q's so, so yeah, much, are they? That's a good way of thinking about it. Well, sorry, just outside the studio, we've got someone's decided to set up a, uh, a boombox. Or there's something going on out there. We thought it was us. We thought it was a UFO landing or something. Outside, but <laughs> yeah, you're no such luck. <laughs> no such luck. No such luck. Oh, that's excellent. Um, look, Darren, we're coming to the end of the show. We've got a couple of minutes left, but I was just hoping that you could one more time just, just plug your book and fi- tell people where they can find it. Um, sure, they can yeah. find it on Amazon It's called uh, Voices from the Unseen World And I've reduced the price as much as I can Basically it just covers the cost I don't get a cent out of it Yep. Um, just because I want people to be, you know, enlighten themselves and, and can you give us a, um, a brief synopsis of it as well? Oh, it's, basically say, it's basically looking at um, the paranormal from a Christian point of view And it's also challenging Christians to say you know, maybe there's something here. Uh, maybe we go too much by tradition rather than by what the Bible actually says. Yep. Mm. So it seems like a bit of an oxymoron to me, a Christian um, paranormal yeah. investigator, doesn't it? I mean, it's um, it's not two things that I would usually sort of think would work together too well. But Mark's got it comes from a religious background as well. Um, mm. But he's managed to sort of traverse the two or work with the two, haven't you, Mark? Um, do you find that aids you in your understanding of the paranormal? Um, sometimes it goes against it. Really? Um, and, I, like, people, I couldn't really talk to people in the religion I was, I mean, some, but in general I couldn't speak openly. Yep. Because they would say, oh, it's of the devil, you can't touch the stuff. Uh, and, yep. Uh, I mean, what Darren, as what Dan mentioned before. Yeah, I've been outcast by the church as well. They, they don't want to know about it. So. Is that right? Oh yeah, they consider me a heretic. So <laughs> because you, because <laughs> yeah. you got some ideas outside the 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 orthodoxy, is it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but you know, I've I've debated people with masters of divinity. I've debated like lots of different Christians on it. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, you know, just one quick instance is um, I said, well, what about people that don't know about Jesus and they die? What happens to them? Well, his answer, was, and this was on a YouTube debate that I did, and my belief is that God can give them a second chance on the other side. Yep. His answer was that um, God will reach them here, even if he has to stretch out their lives to so that they live to 300 years old. That and I thought like my views were crazy. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Yeah, but a lot of these people don't believe in dinosaurs either, Darren, so... Well, exactly. I mean, that's kind of what we're dealing with here, um, <laughs> if that, that makes sense. So he's, he's going to stretch out their life for 300 years just because... Yeah, you know, just until they get the, the message. But, uh, you know, I, so I'm thinking you reason so, with people like that? That's right. I'm, I'm thinking that God has done something similar with giant tortoises. You know, those ones that live like 200 years? <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? I mean, what have they done to um, – they must have done something bad in their in their past life whenever that was. It's amazing some of those tortoises. You see them in photos from like 1850 and things like that, and you go, what the hell? And it's the same tortoise. <laughs> you know, it's, well, a, it's like know, they're a time traveller almost. Sorry, Jim. It's, I was just going to say, as is in this life, I, I think it's in the next. and. I believe if people can call out to Jesus now and accept eternal life, then they can do that on the other side as well. I don't see where, anywhere in the Bible where it says you can't do that. But doesn't that um, contradict all the sort of repent all your sins? I mean, that's obviously a bit more Catholic, but, um, you know, that whole, it makes make sure you get everything checked off now because if you don't, you're in trouble when you leave, you know? Well, you know, you look at the Gospel of John. Mm. And that was written as an evangelistic gospel. You know, John actually says that at the end of the gospel, this was written so that anybody that believes in Jesus will have eternal life. Mm. And you won't find the word repentance once in the whole of the gospel of John. No. It's always Jesus saying, believe in me for eternal life. And if we can do it, 
And I don't see anywhere in the Bible where it says people on the other side can't do it. So, so just, know, and that's just, why I'm just be a heretic. <laughs> that's, <laughs> what, that's what I was getting towards. Yeah, yeah that's, that's what because I believe God loves people so much, <laughs> and He will. Yeah, but you know, a lot of people think no. Once you die, you're going to hell if you don't. You yeah, know. I think I'll just hedge my bets. <laughs> <laughs> see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Thanks for thanks for coming on the show, Darren. Oh, you're welcome. Uh, it's real honour to be on. Thank you. That's all we want to hear. We um, yeah, we'll have you on again. No no worries. And um, touch on some other other aspects of um, paranormal. I I really want to research more about ghost boxes and EVP recordings and stuff. Now that we've had two guests in two weeks, haven't we, Mark? That have that have placed quite a bit of credence on the technique. Well, there has been scientific studies done on this too. Too. I mean, with um um, your radio-shielded rooms and blind studies mm-hmm. um, of what these things are saying. It's drawn some very interesting conclusions, so you know, mm. in the future show, maybe we could talk about that. Absolutely. We'll touch on those maybe in uh, episode 14. Thanks for coming on, um, Darren, and uh, Thanks, Darren. we'll catch you on the next one. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Mark. No worries. See you later, mate. Bye-bye. See you. Bye. And the spooky music's on. Which means it's we've come to the end of another episode of Occam's Razor, episode 13. I'm Jim Birchall. He's Mark Capel. Say goodbye, Mark. Goodbye, everybody. Thanks for joining us. And we hope you've uh, enjoyed the hour we've, we've had here at East FM 88.1, 107.1. That was Occam's Razor, and we'll catch you next week. Signing off.